Well, <clears throat> I, uh, I don't have a sermon so much as a message, a, a, a word. Um, <clears throat> and I'd like to start with the, the basic um, summary, statement, the, the truth of it, the um, medding, me- message and the heading and the, the, the package, so to speak, and then we can look at it in more detail. Let's start in John chapter 16. And we're going to really focus, not read the whole chapter, we're going to read a bit in the beginning and a bit at the end. Um, Of course, we know what's happened, had what we call the the Lord's Supper, the Lord has told them he's going to go away, and then he's told them about the Holy Spirit that he's going to send and what the Holy Spirit will do for them. And then he says, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. Now, um, verse 32, the Lord says, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Excuse me, I'm going to get a sweater. I don't know how you're all doing, but uh, when we started meeting, I felt it was quite warm, but as the meeting progressed, I was sorely tempted to go and get my gloves on. I don't know how everyone else is getting on, but uh, yeah, so... So here, be prepared. And, uh, I'll bring a sweater until about June. <laughs> All right. Um, now, <clears throat> the Lord was speaking things that had an immediate... I think I'm doing all right with this size print. Um, they had an immediate application, right? And we can see in the book of Acts that these things were fulfilled in their lifetime. But the spirit of what the Lord describes and the general experience has happened throughout church history over the centuries that have followed. So it was literally true. They were put out of the synagogues. Paul really thought, remember he even testifies that part of his righteousness, part of his zeal for God was persecuting the Christians. Right? He shares that to, you know, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. He thought he was serving God. This was fulfilled very quickly. Um, 
as he hailing men and women committed them to prison when Stephen was murdered Paul gave his voice against him it was fulfilled their time the the time come the times cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service and these things will they do unto you because they have not known the father nor me and this is a thing now this has happened you, you trace the history of Christianity the Catholic Church is is notorious for having done this kind of thing um, you know and if you even browse through the the martyr's mirror and so on you've seen that the priests have uh, and the, the inquisition and Christians you know even during reformation Christians a protestant reformation um, and they would persecute uh, people um, uh, I think uh, Calvin had uh, a heretic as he considered him executed and so on these things have been done in the name of God the God of Moses and then in the name of the Lord Jesus people have been persecuted and executed right uh, and the Lord forewarned his disciples so they shouldn't be offended that they shouldn't deny the faith that they shouldn't turn away from Christ because it's not what they expected they thought you know he was Messiah which he is and that he was going to establish his kingdom which he has but they thought it would mean material security and prosperity. That they would be the head of the nations. And here they are being persecuted by Jews. By God's people. And that would so jar their minds that they would turn away from the Lord Jesus. And abandon the faith. Right? This is the kind of thing he was um, addressing here. He says, uh, I'm telling you these things that when the time come you remember that I told you of them I didn't say them to you when I, earlier because I was with you and these things were but I'm going to go away and you are going to be persecuted first of all primarily by religious people who are zealous for God that's going to be your first line of opposition and in our day it will be people professing Christ or if you go to a foreign country where Christ is not named, then whatever the dominant religion is, they will be the first people. The devout people are going to be the first people to oppose the servants of God. And don't let that move you. That's the thing he was getting at. Now this, this is not primarily what I want to focus on. Which is, um, the, the thing that ties this, it's really the end of the chapter that we want to use as a springboard. But they are linked because in verse 33, it says, In the world ye shall have tribulation. That's really what we want to um, use as our platform. Here he, at the start of this chapter, he describes some of it. So affliction is distress of body or mind or both. Circumstance that causes distress of body or distress of mind. Uh, so if somebody were to beat you with a club, that would cause distress of body, and that would be affliction. Um, if, if the building were to fall on top of you, you know, and you had a bunch of broken limbs and concussions and so on, that would be a distress to your body, that would be affliction. If, um, you know, if you're defamed, and uh, I, I 
saw some headline or something recently, I forget what I was looking for. Some, probably a political figure, was defamed in the media. He was falsely accused, pronounced in the media as guilty. It completely ruined his career. And now they're realizing they were wrong. And it, oops, sorry about that. We, we were mistaken. But it destroyed, it was 2018, destroyed his life, ruined his career. So that would be affliction. That's a mental thing. Nobody is physically beating him. Affliction. Now, tribulation is mega affliction. <laughs> it's intense and serious affliction. So affliction is distress of body or mind, and tribulation is that much more intense. Tribula is uh, affliction on steroids, so to speak, or a turbocharger if you're a mechanic. Uh, in the world, ye shall have tribulation. This is what Christ is warning his disciples of. So, at the start of the passage, right, you're going to be put out of the synagogues. And the time's coming that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And we could loosely apply that. They'll think at least, if they're atheists, that they'll be doing something good. Right? That um, by oppressing and destroying the disciples of Christ, people will think they're doing God or doing good. And these things will they do because they haven't known the Father. And this is the thing about religious people. Religious people, even many professing Christianity, they persecute others because they don't really know God. They have their religious dogma, their religious doctrine, they're zealous for it, and they're out to oppose and destroy anyone who doesn't agree with them. And they do that because they don't really know God. And... You know, there can be seeds of that in us as Christian people. We want to be careful, right? Sectarianism is like that. You saw the seeds of it with John, you know. We saw one casting out devils in your name. We forbade him, right? That's a seed. You don't want anything like that in your heart uh, against other people, and uh, especially not other disciples. This enmity, because this is the tree. This is the full-grown thing. Um, oppression, persecution, uh, hateful, murderous, tormenting deeds done in the name of God. And they do it because they don't know the Lord. All right? Now, you know, you can look at the history of the church in that light. Whether the chief priests and the Pharisees that persecuted the early Christians, they were responsible for crucifying the Lord himself. To um, the, the Roman pagans, Right? If you read up in your church history, do you know, ironically, one of the things, the early Christians, they had no um, physical things in worship, right? So the pagans, they had their idols, temples. We all know that, right? They had these stone idols and whatever they were made of, and they'd burn incense to them. They'd offer sacrifices. They would have rituals. Some of them are unspeakably wicked. You can't even describe them. It would defile your ears. And they had all of their emblems. Uh, what I have read is that Roman men used to cover their heads, like our sisters do, uh, some of them too, to uh, worship the gods. This sheds a bit of light on Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Um, and uh, they had all of these physical things and incense and so on. And the Christians had none of that. They had no idols. They had nothing. They just worshipped the the, the king, as Paul wrote, invisible. 
And you remember, after the apostles had died, it became, the persecution was more intense. They were thrown to the lions, right? All sorts of things. They were put in nets with, um, I think, uh, raw meat in the nets and tied in a net and thrown into the arena. And then the wild beasts would be released to savagely, the smell of the fresh killed meat would attract the wild beasts and they would you know, chew them up and, and maul them while they're tied in these nets. All sorts of things were done to them. Uh, uh, history records that the Emperor Nero, who had Paul executed, beheaded, I believe, um, had Christians crucified throughout his gardens and then lit on fire so that his gardens could have light in the nighttime, right? The, the torment. But when the Christians were thrown to the lions and the gladiators... Um, sometimes would also uh, kill them. I don't know all the details. Pulled apart by horses, different things. One of the cries of the crowd was, away with the godless, or away with the atheists. Because they didn't worship the gods, and they didn't have any idols, and so they were, they were considered godless. They were considered atheists, because they didn't worship. What a backward situation. Completely backwards. So here they are in their religious fervor, worshiping the various um, pagan gods. You see some of it in Acts, you know. Um, Diana of the Ephesians. Religious people intently persecuting the Christians. Throwing them and crying out away with the godless. Um, the Roman Catholic Church through the, the centuries and persecuting the, the heretics, right, that didn't... Um, didn't acknowledge Mary and, and all of those things. The, the Inquisition, all the horrible means of torture they devised to, to torment the Christians. Because they didn't know God. They had a zeal of their religion. Um, church history records that um, the Apostle Thomas was stabbed to death with a spear by a Hindu while he was at prayer. Right? Religious people greatly incensed at this teaching that undermines their religion. And this is commonly where even communism is a religion. It might be an atheistic religion when man is the god, but there's the whole system. Of, and of course the leaders, like the, the communist leader in China at present, you know, who wants to be in the place of God. And horrible persecutions on Christians. Um, God's people persecuted, tormented by people who are in a, a fervor and a zeal of their own doctrine. And it's coming. People in China experience, have been experiencing that. Even non-Christian people. Remember in the book of the Revelation it talks about the dragon cast a flood out of his mouth after the woman and the earth helped the woman and opened her mouth. And Do you remember that? Well, a flood gets everybody. The dragon's after the, the man-child. He sends out a flood, but anyone in his way is going to get swallowed in that flood. It's Christ and his people he's after, but he doesn't mind swallowing up a whole bunch of other people. And you see in communist China, they're oppressing the Uyghur Muslims and the, um, those Falun Gong, you know, that um, misguided religion. Peaceable and so on, but it's meditation. It's, it's salvation by another means than Christ. There's no salvation at all. They're persecuted. People are persecuted in various countries for Christ. And we have had a very soft ride for many decades in our country. And brethren, 
arm yourself with a mind that you're going to suffer for Jesus. All right? You're going to suffer for Jesus' sake. Um, this wasn't only for the apostles. Put you out of the synagogues. The time will come where whosoever killeth you will think he doeth God's service. Lead that to, to these words in, of Jesus at the end of the chapter. These things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Alright? So in this world we're going to have tribulation. Tribulation's a wide net. It includes persecution. It includes famine. It includes, you know, unemployment, economic crisis, um, disease and disability. It's just like trouble. We're going to have trouble in this life. All right? Trouble in this world. But in Christ, we'll have peace in our hearts in the midst of that trouble. All right? Be of good cheer. Isn't that what he said? Um, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Be cheerful. You're going to have tribulation, but be cheerful. Because I've overcome the world. In me you'll have peace. Hallelujah. Alright? It's all about Christ. And brethren, what happens to us in this time of unprecedented ease and prosperity and comfort is that it crowds out to some degree great or small from our consciousness the absoluteness of Christ he's everything his kingdom it's all about Jesus and all of these other material comforts become things upon which our joy and peace are based it's just the natural and what we want to do is purposefully find our fountain of joy in the Lord Jesus regardless of what's good or bad in our outward circumstances it doesn't mean that we won't be really happy and we are all going to be happy sister when you have that little baby uh, doesn't mean we won't be happy at a birth or sad when a loved one dies but that that um, peace and joy in the Lord is going to be like you know you have a uh, especially when we're children. You ever played with a ball under the water? And you cold it down, but as soon as you let go of it, up it comes. And that's what our peace and joy will be like. The circumstance of life may suppress it for a bit, but it, it just has to come back up. You can't keep it down there. And that's, that's the essence of it. It's not that we'll never experience material happiness or material sadness over the ups and downs in life. But we have this peace of Christ within that cannot be suppressed, that cannot be extinguished as long as we'll walk in Him and not be offended. Let's look at some of, uh, some of these things in more depth, shall we? Let's turn to Matthew's Gospel. Now, again, this, this has a particular context, and, um, but we can still take application from it. Where are we? Ah, oh, there it is. 
Matthew chapter 24. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Now, the things that follow in chapter 24 are in answer to a question. And that question had to do with when is this temple going to be destroyed? All right? And the end of the world, as the disciples understood it, was the end of the Jewish nation. We think, because we have been conditioned to think, it means when this ball on which we all live goes up in flames. But that's not what the disciples' question was. Um, If you look earlier, and you, you can look at it yourself in Matthew chapter 17. I think it is. Is it 17? No, maybe it's not 17. It's an earlier chapter. Um... One of the earlier parables. We shan't look at it now. It has to do with the parable of the good tares, or the good seed and the tares. Parable of the tares. There it is, chapter 13. Um, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. That word world, that meant the Jewish nation. It's the only place Jesus ever sowed the seed. didn't mean the whole world. So the word world has a number of meanings. It doesn't always mean the globe. It often just very there, there was a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. He wasn't taxing the Chinese or the Australian. Well, the Australian yeah. Right? That w- many people assume it was the Roman Empire. Well, history will tell us that there wasn't a tax for the whole Roman Empire. It was just a tax on the land of Israel. All the world. Well, the Jewish world. These things are common. And to the disciples, you better believe that the destruction of Jerusalem was the end of the world to them. And the things that Jesus... He said, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. I know that some um, take a futuristic view and whether some of those things will be repeated or not, I I don't want to get into. Um, I, I don't have an argument with anybody over it. I just simply want to be true to the scripture. And the Lord Jesus was answering a specific question. And that question had to do with when the temple would be destroyed. And that happened long ago. And the things that he described in chapter 24 also happened long ago. Um, But the principles of which he spoke recur through history repeatedly. And that's really my point. Not to get into some controversy over the second coming of Christ. I, I, I don't have a an argument with really many people over that. Uh, when I say that, I'm, I don't remember arguing with anybody over it, although knowing me in my youth, and probably did at some point. Um, but I don't, I, I don't have a, an axe to grind on eschatology per se, except I'm concerned that some beliefs will harm people. But it's a very difficult subject to, to master, and I don't pretend to have mastered it. What I do want us to understand, though, are some of the principles here. 
because these things, just as the Lord said, the time will come when they'll put you out of the synagogue. Well, how many of you here have attended a synagogue with any regularity? And you know, the Orthodox Jews wouldn't consider it a synagogue, would they? Because they were Christians, right? No? Where? In, in Israel? On Shabbat? But I thought, you know, anyway, we can have this family meeting afterwards. Sorry. <laughs> yes, yes. Get distracted, you know. This is a, uh, in the middle of the sermon, have a discussion with your daughter. So one of us here has been in a synagogue a number of times. And did they put you out? No. All right. But do you see what I mean? Just the fact that you are never going to be put out of the synagogue doesn't mean that that principle would never apply to you. And think about the many Christians who were put out of the Catholic Church and put out of other denominations simply because of their love for Christ in a system that had become religious and controlling. Do you get the point there? That principle, that spirit carries on through the centuries. And here in Matthew, though the Lord was addressing specific things in a specific time, um, <clears throat> There's still a spirit and a principle here that we want us to, to see. The, 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 the things he was teaching his disciples, um, we can still apply them. So look at this in, in chapter 6. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Verse 6. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. That's awful. Now that happened to the first century Christians. Right? And we can even look at some of those things in, in Acts. Um, <laughs> but I, I want us to, to look at some of these specifics here. Alright? What, what had happened in the sequence? Some of it sequence. We're having a chat about this Wednesday. Some of the things are sequential and some of them just this happened and this and this, right? It's like if you come home from the grocery store, okay? Or um, what did you do today? Well, I went shopping and I went skating and, uh, you know, and I, uh, I shoveled the driveway and I did a bit of woodwork. That's not likely to be me. The woodwork is, but the shopping not so much. So, but anyway, throw them. well, that doesn't mean I did them in that order. It means I did all of those things. Now, if I said I went shopping, then I went skating, then I shoveled a driveway, then I did woodwork. So then that would be a sequence. So we're not focused on, not all of this is sequence, but look at this. Ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must yet come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, 
Could we take some of that? That was addressing the destruction of Jerusalem. Wasn't talking about the end of all things, but can we see how that applies to us? Right now, we're hearing of wars. Hearing of war in Ukraine, Russia, and we're hearing of rumors of wars, World War III. Right? Don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. And I, I've meditated a little on that, and, and I purposed, and God being God's helping me, and I trust He will enable me to walk perfectly through it. When the, the COVID pandemic started, I um, overmuch investigated what was going on. And I purpose not to do that with this war. Because um, that's part of being troubled. Having to investigate everything. Find out everything that's going on. I found out some. And I've already settled there's no way I'm going to know everything that's going on. And what's really going on. Except I can say this, brethren. It's reported that um, Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, is telling his people that they have done a, a military exercise, and I'm not sure if even peacekeeping mission, into Ukraine to rescue Russian nationals who are being oppressed by white supremacists in Ukraine, and that they are doing a good rescue mission. That's the propaganda they've got. Much like the United States propaganda when they went into Iraq 30 years ago. I'm just pointing out, you know... <laughs> So that's the government, the, the Russian government, their propaganda. The Ukrainian government propaganda is that we are heroes, we're fighting the oppressor, and, and so on. And the West, including Canada's propaganda, is that Ukraine is innocent and we stand with Ukraine. Now, everyone over here believes that the Russian government are lying to their people. And they also recognize that Ukrainian government are lying to their people, but it's a justified lie because they need to repel the oppressor. But we don't think our government's lying to us. Really? Of course they're lying. This is not our fight, brethren. We fight by prayer. We fight by preaching the gospel of peace so that the Prince of Peace can reign in people's hearts. Um, I've been reading an article on propaganda in an Amish magazine. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, can you? First, what's Martin doing reading an Amish magazine? And secondly, what's an Amish magazine doing writing about propaganda? But there it is, and just given the source, uh, I'm personally acquainted with the, the editor of the magazine. Uh, we're friendly, uh, friendly acquaintances. So, um, probably the only... I mean, we might say we're friends, we might say we're acquaintances, just depends on how much time you need to spend together to qualify as friends, right? There's no enmity between us, mutual respect and affection and so on. But uh, this article, simply in talking about propaganda, talked about Woodrow Wilson, who was the United States president during the First World War. And he got reelected based on a campaign platform, according to the article and according to the history, based on a platform that he would not involve the United States in that world war. But, almost a year, ten months before he was elected, 
one of his colonels had signed a secret, uh, no doubt with his knowledge, a secret agreement with the British that they would join them in the world war. Do you see what happened there? Allegedly, the American pre- and history um, supports it. I say allegedly because I, you know, how can I ever know for sure? I'm relying on human report. This is the only book I know for sure is accurate. But you had an American president who promised and was elected based on the promise that we are not joining the war when 10 months ago he signed an agreement that we are going to join you in this war. And I would submit, brethren, it's unlikely that our governments today are any different. In fact, what I read was that they hired 70,000 men to make speeches around the United States after the election to encourage people to support the war. They were all giving four-minute speech, 70,000 people around the United States, that's before Twitter and so on, right, Facebook, to encourage sympathy. And they posted bills everywhere, Uncle Sam wants you, propaganda. Before social media, they still had their army out there to shape everybody's minds. And people were troubled. And people went off to die. It get, it's worse than that. Allegedly... One of the reasons was because Britain and France owed the United States lots of money and that if they lost the war, the United States wouldn't be able to get that money back and so the bankers would lose money as would the investors and we couldn't have that, so join the war. I don't know if all of that's true. That's history. It's commonly believed. What a shame if Christian people were caught up in that fervor and in that war effort. Do you you see it, brother? Troubled. Oh. War is awful. And the war going on now is awful. Just like all the wars are awful. People are killed, innocent civilians. Well, God knows, right? innocent children. And the things that are going on now, brethren, we don't know who's telling the truth, if anybody. And we're not getting involved in those things. We can pray as we have moved. But um, see that you be not troubled. Um, they're already talking. How do you like your gas prices, brethren? Is that a blessing? Your brothers with your trucks. How's that going for you? Yeah, yeah. And that's what they want, right? They want you to drive less. And there's propaganda about all of that. And the poor are becoming poor. The middle class are becoming poor. We've lived in a time where the middle class have never been so wealthy as we've all been in history and the comforts we've had um, <clears throat> look nation rise against nation right kingdom against kingdom there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes so famine is a food shortage right pestilence is plague disease an earthquake is well and, and they could be volcanoes and other things so you have um, the war of nations And then you have the food shortage, the spread of disease, and even the earth itself is, is, this is tribulation, right? Now, gas prices are going up, food prices are going to go up. We may experience real financial hardship like never before. I don't think it's a good time to get into debt in your personal lives. It's never a good time, but I really don't think it's going to be wisdom. I can't tell you that prophetically, but it certainly doesn't look like a good idea. It's a bit like looking out and seeing storm, dark storm clouds and the winds blowing this way and saying, 
I don't think it's a good idea to put the washing to hang on the line. It could blow over, not claiming prophetic insight, I'm just saying, you know, looks like we're in for a downpour. So and that's all I would say about that. Um, in terms of, I'm not claiming uh, any prophetic insight here any more than any of us would. But the economic hardships that are coming, and then the, the biolabs in Ukraine, right? More um, gain-of-function research in those labs and the Russian army going in with their biohazard suits and all of those things. Maybe there'll be a more outbreaks, more pandemic. I don't know. See that you be not troubled. This is the thing. Don't be troubled. Now, let's look at troubled, brethren, um, in uh, what the meaning of that word can be for us in uh, Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians. After he thanks God for them, in chapter 2, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, right? Uh, shaken in mind. Paul writes to the Ephesians about not being tossed to and fro. Troubled, shaken in mind. Tossed, deceived. Um, the Lord Jesus, when he was talking um, in Matthew, as it's recorded in Matthew 24, He's telling them that you're going to have tribulation. You're going to hear about wars, actual wars that you know are happening, and rumors of wars, wars that you hear are going to be happening. And uh, nations are going to be clashing, and there's going to be food shortages, and diseases, and natural disasters spreading around. See that you be not troubled. All right? In the world you shall have tribulation. In me you shall have peace. This is where the Christian's mind needs to be. We really need to not be tuned in and focused on the earthly news. We need to be tuned in and focused on the heavenly news. We're going to hear about He says you're going to hear all these things. So it's not a sin. You have some awareness of what's going on. But we, brethren, our hearts need to be anchored in Christ we need to be trusting in him he's promised us tribulation in this world and he's told us he's overcome it and therefore we can be of good cheer he will give you grace each day each step that's good news oh, many many thousands upon thousands of saints have gone this way Little children and old infirmed and men and women have all suffered greatly for Christ. And Christ's grace has upheld them in their hour of great need and suffering. And he will do it for you as well. As you walk with him, let not your heart be troubled. He said it to them, you know, you believe in God, believe also in me. This is a word of Christ to his disciples. Don't let fear grip your heart, brother, sister. Don't let anxiety get you all. 
Let not. Don't allow it. Let not your heart be troubled. This is a thing. <laughs> Cheer up. It's going to get worse. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then. Where's Dave, right? So not and now, but then. They shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now, brethren, this is very possible for us. One of the um, unhappy facts of these, uh, some of these things is that um, Christians are being blamed for that which is against society, right? So uh, these anti-vaxxers are being blamed for the pandemic. Well, that's watered down now because of the war, but until very recently. And Christians, conservative Christians among them, right? And so you're getting this, so uh, like Henry Hildebrandt there in Aylmer, preachers, right? You've got that front and center of the news. These preachers and prayer anti-vaxxer. And they're the ones killing us and causing a pandemic. And so you've got this association with the name of Christ and Christians with that which is harming society. This freedom convoy. Again, it was painted as racist and hateful people. And there's a lot of prayer going on there in the Jesus name. And so you've got this constant increase of association with the name of Christ and conservative Christians on those actions that are um, portrayed as harmful to society. And you can see that if those things continue, then Christians will just be hated by the majority of the population just for being Christians. Because the association, these things have been done before. Um, one of the things that we're told by history is that uh, uh, Rome burned in the time of Nero. And historians vary as to what happened. Um, in any case, Nero blamed it on the Christians. And it inspired much persecution against them. Other historians believe that Nero actually set it on fire uh, because he had these architectural projects he wanted to, to pursue. And he blamed it on the Christians to, as, as cover. But the point is that the society was against the Christians through these things. And it increased persecution. And you can see, brethren, it can be so that um, weren't some of us talking through the pandemic there that uh, the Toronto Star had it on their front page, you know, let the unvaccinated die and, and so on. Who, who remembers that? Saw that? Deliver you up to be afflicted, shall kill you, shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Brethren, they remember that there's a spirit and it is helped by the poor behavior of many Christians but this spirit of hate against the name of Christ and you can see that um, it's very possible <laughs> that one of the outcomes of these global movements and tragedies will be a general blame and resentment against conservative Christians for these kinds of things uh, and notice it follows, right? So the war, the food shortage, the famines, the disease, the pestilence, the earthquakes, the natural disasters, the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, tormented in body and mind, and shall kill you, and you'll be hated for my name's sake. 
Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and hate one another. These are Christians now turning on each other. It's gone from the world turning on the Christians to because of the pressure, some Christians renouncing the love of Christ and turning on each other. Let not your heart be troubled. He that shall endure, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel, hallelujah, of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations. All right? So in the midst of all of the upheaval in the world, what's the Christian supposed to be all about, brethren? furthering the gospel of the kingdom who was preaching the gospel of the kingdom the people that were hated of all men they in the midst of wars and rumors of wars of food shortages of um, uh, disease widespread of natural disasters of being hated by all men and even betrayed by those whom they loved they were about preaching the gospel our focus right let not your heart be troubled uh, <clears throat> let's look a bit in uh, in Luke's gospel Same, uh, same uh, time there, Luke chapter 21. Verse 9, When ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. For these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall be there be from heaven. But before all these they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what ye shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolks and friends. And some of you they shall cause, excuse me, some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not an hair of your head perish. In your patience possess ye your souls. And again, this is about the fall of Jerusalem, but this spirit and this principle still carries. Notice, though all this is done to you, not a hair of your head shall perish. You'll be safe in the arms of Christ. You don't have to worry about anything, not even what you'll say. That'll be provided for you. Isn't that what he says here? Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Brethren, let's reason together on what that implies. Okay, so he's telling them you're going to be brought before the rulers. 
right? And he says, don't premeditate what you're going to say. Does that not imply that even up to the day before, they wouldn't know what they're going to say? Doesn't that imply that? But that when they're right there in the circumstance, then the Holy Spirit will give them what they need to say. Isn't that what it implies? Now, let me reason to you with you further. Would not the Lord then, if you're going to be put in a situation where you have to speak boldly and effectively for Christ, but he's not going to let you know even the day before what that will be. But until you're in the circumstance, that's when he'll give you what to say. He'll be faithful, right? He'll do it, right? Okay, don't you think? But they didn't feel like they knew what they were going to say the day before, right? Don't you think the same will be true with the suffering? That when you're in the suffering, he'll give you the grace required to endure the suffering? Even if the day before the suffering, you don't feel like you have the grace for the suffering? You get what we're saying here? That the Lord will provide for you the grace you need right when you need it. So don't worry about it. Just get on loving him and serving him. It's not what he's saying. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've taken care of all of that. You just get busy serving me. You don't get distracted worrying about what's happening or what's going to happen. You just focus on trusting and loving and serving and obeying me today. Isn't that what he's saying? Don't be troubled. Don't be shaken in your mind. Don't be moved off course. And this is the thing I would urge us and entreat us to to do is to um, focus on Christ. And be unmoved aside, unperturbed, undistracted, not moved off course by all of these things, by all the propaganda, by all the news, fake and genuine. (laughs) And how can you tell which is which anymore? So not be distracted with it, not be troubled by it, moved on. Oh, I know, I make some comments uh, in, in conversation about it. But here's the thing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Not the Gentiles. Where are we going to get money and food and so on? Give us this day our daily bread. Right? Let us in our hearts join that great company of pilgrims who through the centuries have forsaken all and or lost all to follow Christ, to take hold of his kingdom and to hold forth his gospel as they pass through this world looking for heavenly kingdom that shall one day be fully manifested having in our hearts burning the light and lamp of Jesus Christ and not living lamp like lives of ease but ye like yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord with their loins girded and their lamps burning there is a mindset of um, diligent service for Christ not relaxed ease and thinking about preparing for retirement but rather Lord how can I serve you until my final breath could we muster an amen (laughs) I think we get uh, we get the 
gist of it, the point of it, the word. Um, Come back to that summary. These things have I spoken unto you, Jesus said, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Um, Stop there and take a a few minutes and, and look at some things in church life in the book of Acts that I had wanted to, to share. <clears throat> you know they were beaten and all of those things. And, and uh, I mean, Paul, even at the end, was dragged out of the synagogue. Let's just look at a couple of historical events as they happened. Um, Acts chapter 11, I think. Hmm. There it is. End of chapter 11. And in those days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, right? So before that, Saul, Barnabas has gone to Tarsus, found Saul, brought him to Antioch, and they're there for a year with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Verse 27, in those days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man, according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. So if I understand what's going on there, dearth is a lack of food, lack of money, just a lack of everything. And the way the economy and the travel routes and trade routes, so when you had a a widespread dearth, um, Judea was hit hard that uh, relied heavily on import. And so knowing the situation, remember, Agabus was there from Jerusalem church. And it would seem then that the Lord, in providing materially for the Jerusalem church, remember, and for Judea, famines, pestilences, and the Lord knowing that some of these things were about to come to pass, had some of these prophets travel, and then gave him a word there in the church, that uh, there's going to be a great dearth throughout the whole world. We're all going to suffer, but those brethren are going to suffer worse, so let's take up a collection and send it there so that those brethren can have their daily needs met when the time comes. See how the Lord has it all under control. When those things were, were going on, even beforehand, the Lord knew. The disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. And, you know, I make a comment on this as we think about you know savings and what to do with money I would suggest one of the things big thing we should be looking at is any brethren that the Lord has us in connection with and how are their needs going to be met through the economic upheaval worldwide and we should be thinking not about feathering our own nests but looking how we can minister to brethren who are in need elsewhere there they were taking up a collection Many of them for brethren whom they'd never seen or met who were going to be in a part of the world that was going to be much worse hit. So that's some instruction for us from the Word of God on how to deal with times like that. Uh, another one briefly, and then we'll close with uh, uh, a read that passage in John 16 again, and then one other verse, and we'll, we'll close. Acts chapter 18. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. 
and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came unto them, and because he was of the same craft, he abode with them, and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. Now here's what I see in that, brethren. Aquila and Priscilla at that time were unconverted, and that's why they referred to as Jews and not disciples. So they were devout Jews who were not yet Christians. And I don't know what would have happened to the church in Rome because Caesar didn't make a distinction between Christian Jews and um, you know, Pharisee Jews and what other, other sect, Essenes and so on. Jews out of Rome. And uh, there were some political reasons for that because, as, if I understand, Claudius Caesar had actually been quite kind to the Jews. But there was some political thing going on um, that the Jews were involved in, and he commanded them for a season, all Jews had to leave Rome. Now, brethren, think of the politics in that. Think of our day. Think of the things that our prime minister and others could make rules about and how it impacts specific classes of people. And you don't find, and this was to your point you were preaching on not so long ago, you don't find the Christians up in arms and protesting, Caesar racist, Caesar unfair, Jews should have a right to live in Rome. I mean, never mind that would be dangerous to them physically. You think our police got a little bit rough with the truckers. Imagine what the Roman soldiers would have done to that. You got a placard out there, down with Caesar, you know. Good luck with that. But leaving that aside, right? So the apostles never got into these kinds of things, brethren. That was injustice. That was segregation. That was racism. That was hate speech, hate deeds, you know? All Jews got to get out of Rome. Jews have been persecuted all over the place. And God has preserved them. <laughs> but here, this man, uh, Aquila, and his wife, Priscilla, that political upheaval brought them across with Paul and Paul won them to Christ. And then they were in the synagogue when this eloquent preacher Apollos comes through and they take him aside and they share with him what Paul shared with them and that totally changes his ministry and he goes on to win thousands to Christ. Alright? Do you see their focus on the kingdom of God in the midst of um, dearth in the midst of political misdeeds and injustices by the political leaders. Their hearts weren't troubled by the earthly um, things going on. They were taken up, they were at peace in Christ, and they were taken up with his kingdom. And they, they took all the other things in stride. Paul now, remember Paul as he writes, he had a great desire to go to Rome. Uh, with Claudius kicking all the Jews out of Rome, he wouldn't have been able to do that. That postponed it. That, that, that hindered his desire to go to Rome. And he didn't squawk about it. He used the opportunity to win this um, expelled Jew to Christ by showing the, the light of the gospel and the love of Christ to him. When the church was going to be in financial need, other parts of the church were um, forewarned of God and made provision, they acted wisely. The early Christians in the midst of their tribulation were focused on the kingdom of Christ 
and they that's what they were navigating right so this you know these wars these rumors of wars this persecution paul's let down by a ba- you know in a basket over the wall the time would fail they were focused on the gospel they weren't worried about their own economics they took joyfully the spoiling of their goods they're focused on christ and they were winning many to christ the hand of god was with them and brethren for a long season in north american christianity we have been accustomed to the hand of God not being with the churches and not very many people being saved and that needs to um, provoke us to earnestly seeking the Lord that his hand would be with the churches that many people would be being saved that he would be with each of us and that he would be using all of his people lots of people are ready to be saved and we need to be seeking God for that and not content simply to be happy with one another we want God to move in power and see people saved we want to be earnestly seeking that not troubled about what's going on and the tribulation that we shall experience because in Christ we have peace we'll have tribulation in the world he's overcome the world and the scripture I wanted to close with was the one that Joseph uh, read earlier I'll just quote it. The Lord, and the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and the patient waiting for Christ. Let us occupy till he comes. Shall we pray? Father, Lord, let it not be so as it was with those disciples who slept while Jesus prayed. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That may be true, Lord, but we have the Holy Spirit now. Strengthen us with might by your Spirit, Father, in the inward man, to follow Christ day by day, taking up our cross daily, denying ourselves, and earnestly seeking thy kingdom. Lord, may each of us be built up in Christ. And Father, grant that many be saved, that thine house might be filled, Father, with many sons unto glory, many sinners coming home, great joy in the presence of the angels of God. Oh, Father, do much more than we can ask or think. So we commit one another to you in Jesus' name. Amen.